0: Women and girls enjoy being themselves online. Online, people can say what they want and generally do. This can be a good thing. This can be a disturbing thing. This week, we begin a series of conversations about the emerging feminine and feminist culture online. Being a woman online entails liberation, as women and girls find communities free of men and devoted to candor in ways not possible in everyday conversation. The internet also intensifies sexuality and poses challenges, as well as enabling men and women to connect. The battle between the sexes is also inflamed online. Feminist YouTube host Anita Sarkeesian has been called a despicable whore for her critiques of sexism. In 2012, Holly Jacobs discovered that her ex-boyfriend posted intimate photos of her, along with her name and contact information, without her consent. She sought legal recourse for this revenge attack and found California Congresswoman Jackie Speer. We begin our series looking at Congresswoman Speier's efforts to make the online world safe from sexual predation and revenge attacks.
1: The Internet is so universal now, and it becomes so much more than just a photograph. It becomes your entire resume. There is one particular victim. Her name is Holly Jacobs who has for three and a half years tried to get pictures of herself that have been strewn all over the Internet off, and she's gone to law enforcement over and over again, and they say there is no law that protects you. And this is an effort, whether it's because a jolted lover is taking pictures and putting them on the Internet or someone has broken into someone else's phone, um, that no matter how that photograph has been taken, once it's up there and it's been asked to be taken down and is not taken down, then there is a criminal act.
0: So based on um, what you're trying to come up with here, uh, the, the question isn't who took the picture, but the question is, is the picture you?
1: Yes. At the time, it was consensual, but it was not consensual in terms of putting it uh, into the universe.
0: All right. So, so then the consensual notion of a photograph changes over time, period. Is what you're saying. Yes. How do you um, make an exception in the case of, say, you know, Anthony Weiner? Is there a public interest in those pictures being made public or are people trying to destroy his reputation because maybe they want his seat in Congress?
1: There is a provision in the bill that would provide for an exception for what is considered legitimate public interest. Whether it's Abu Ghraib or Anthony Weiner, if you can establish that there's a legitimate public interest, then their request to have it taken down would not be sustainable. What's the
0: test of that legitimate public interest? That's going to be a hard one.
1: Well, that's the nub of course, because then that would be tested in the courts. If you would argue there's a legitimate public interest, then you could foreseeably keep them up. But then you know, you would be potentially challenged in court, and then that would be determined through the courts.
0: Can the court system really uh, address this? I mean, I remember the famous line after uh, Ray Donovan, labor secretary, went through the whole legal system um, on corruption charges and was basically exonerated, and I think his first comment was something like, you know, where do I go to get my reputation back? I mean, the way this would work, you could still have your career and reputation ruined and still have the photographs taken down, and then what have you achieved, really?
1: Hopefully, we don't get to that kind of a a situation. That's why uh, the legislation is necessary. We already have, under the Digital Millennial Copyright Act, a provision whereby websites do take down information or material that is inappropriate. So this is just building on what is existing law in many respects.
0: Does this really apply only to sexual content, or is that a hard distinction to make as to what destroys a reputation and what is just simply tasteless sexual content?
1: Well, the language we're using is uh, it would be unlawful to reproduce or otherwise disseminate a visual depiction of an individual who is nude or engaging Mm -hmm. in sexually explicit behavior without their written consent. So it really focuses in on the term that has become, I guess, most commonplace to use, revenge porn.
0: In terms of your legal advice uh, that you're getting on this, how challenging is this to uh, the First Amendment and the doctrine of the, the Supreme Court in protecting speech. And, uh, you know, in terms of pornography in general, it's really the pretty open open domain.
1: Well, it is. And that's why it's been very difficult to craft this bill in a way that does protect the First Amendment. And I am, you know, a First Amendment fanatic. But I also recognize that there is an area here that must be addressed. So, you know, it'll be tested certainly in Congress, and we'll see how we can kind of thread this needle so we can protect the First Amendment. What
0: personal story um, motivated you to really uh, take up this challenge? Because as you describe, it's going to be tough to word a bill that's going to make it and pass all these tests.
1: Well, there's not just one story. Unfortunately, there are hundreds and hundreds of these stories, and that's why 15 states have already taken action to pass laws against what is called revenge porn and create a means by which you can prosecute an individual who doesn't comply with those laws. We do need a national law, I believe, that um, reflects the interests of all Americans and also protects the First Amendment. Um, rather than have, you know, 50 different states um, take up this issue. uh, I think that what we need to do is recognize that it's not just one case, it's many cases. The cases that have, have gotten publicity are really very troubling. I mean, they destroy people's lives, and they have images that are everywhere. And they cannot control it when they had never given consent. You do have a right to privacy that is protected. And, you know, that's what we're trying to balance here.
0: Congresswoman, uh, before we go, can I speak to the sociologist in you?
1: I don't know if there is one, but go ahead. Uh, let's find
0: out. Um, is it possible that this whole issue, as important as it is and as important as the stories of the victims are that you tell – This is a sign of a transitory period that that essentially what we're seeing is a kind of an end to concern about this sort of thing, that that in in the very near future, some creep starting up some weird revenge porn website is just going to be completely ignored because uh, the consequences of this sexualization in the media, the Internet itself – and just a kind of a free and open sort of youth culture in uh, the Western world and in the United States is just going to make all of this, you know, what NBD, no big deal?
1: I suppose there's a potential for that. We have lots of laws on the books that don't really relate to our world today. I mean, I do think we in government have a responsibility to act with the events of today and hope that it, it um, has relevance in the future. Lots of times it does, and sometimes it doesn't.
0: But based on the community standards that you see today, this is a worthy mission on your part.
1: Oh, I believe so. And there's just hundreds and hundreds of cases, maybe thousands of cases, where this is destroying people's lives. And uh, unless you're you know, a celebrity with a fat wallet and high-priced attorneys, it's, it's very hard to get any kind of solution or peace of mind.
0: Well, Congresswoman Jackie Speier is attempting to come up with both of those in uh, legislation being drafted. She's a Democrat from California. Congresswoman Speier, thanks so much. My pleasure. What you'd like to express yourself as a woman online, we're going to have conversations about that subject all week. You can join us on Wednesday for an online Twitter chat on the subject. For more details or to listen back to anything you heard on today's show, visit takeaway.org. Thanks so much for listening. I'm John Hockenberry. This is The Takeaway.
1: Since WNYC's first broadcast in 1924, we've been dedicated to creating the kind of content we know the world needs. Since then, New York Public Radio's rigorous journalism has gone on to win a Peabody Award and a DuPont Columbia Award, among others. In addition to this award-winning reporting, your sponsorship also supports inspiring storytelling and extraordinary music that is free and accessible to all. To get in touch and find out more, visit sponsorship.wnyc.org.